0: Welcome back, or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I am your host, Finn Melanson, and this is the third episode in our mini series titled The Coaching Call. If this is your first time tuning in, I am getting ready for the Canyons 100K in late April and have been publishing monthly conversations with my coach, Ryan Gelfie from Trails and Tarmac, about the training. In this particular episode, we recap training for the month of February, but mostly focus on the response to a non-running injury I suffered three weeks into the month. That put me on the shelf for about two weeks. We try to structure all of these conversations in a way that you, the listener, can gain value from. So, yeah, with that, let's get started. Okay, we are back. Myself, Ryan Gelfie coaching call number three. A lot to talk about and how do I put it? There's always surprises that come up in training blocks. I don't think there's ever been a perfect training block in my life and probably a lot of other athletes will feel the same and that'll probably be a large topic of conversation in this episode. So what's up? How's it going, Ryan?
1: Man, it's going pretty good. No, there's no such thing as perfect. I got super sick this week myself and it's like, uh, you know, all my best laid plans for what I was going to do, you know, you're like, Oh, I guess I got to rethink about, you know, how that next couple of weeks is going to, anyways, <laughs> yeah, no one ever has a perfect training block unless perhaps, you know, they live in a, uh, very controlled world, a very controlled environment where like, they don't really do anything else or think about anything else, or, you know, that, maybe some of those people occasionally have things go perfectly, but For the rest of the humans there's always something (laughs) and in Um, your case got a you got a good one here we got a good one we have to overcome
0: i'll admit over the past two weeks in particular i have been fantasizing about such an environment where everything is controlled (laughs) there's no you know sharp objects around you or ways to get hurt and everything is just conducive and but yeah no we live in the real world (laughs)
1: Yeah, and I think we'll get into that too because it's a topic I find fascinating, and I have since I was—I don't know—personally, since I was became an—I don't know—whenever an athlete and was training seriously. But I, I have a lot of other—I uh, I don't know—things I like to do, and I mean you do as well. And I think most of your listeners probably are not unidimensional, performance only—you know, end all be all. Like all that matters is how I perform at X race. I mean, we all like other stuff, whether that's people who like to go drink beers or people who like to go downhill skiing or anything in between. So, uh, I think there's a really interesting interplay and I definitely want to get into like, you know, how we weigh these cost benefits and how we move on when bad stuff happens. So, um, you know, I wanted to just recap a little bit about how training had been going up until this injury, and then we can get into the injury, but when you got injured, in the middle of February, it was February 21. You know, things had been pretty dang dialed, like your training, like you had that perfect <laughs> block going, you know, like there was not too many what things in the way of hiccups. You'd had some workouts that like, you know, I would write paces on some of these workouts and I'd be like, okay, this would be like a good top end 530 pace for these four by two K's at Liberty park. And I think the rest was pretty short. I don't have it in front of me, but it wasn't long. It was like 90, 90
0: seconds, 90 seconds I think.
1: Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think I wrote five thirty 530 or five thirty-five, and I'm like, you know, like this is like a good. I mean, ultimately, like the effort that that intensity we're shooting for is maybe like ten mile to half marathon. I think you probably ran it in ten k pace, <laughs> but you're down, you ran them in five like fifteens, and we're freaking bawling. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, you did that, like you physically did that. Like I know it was like probably somewhat hard, but like, yeah. E- either way, I was like, well, that was something you couldn't have done, you know. Certainly a year ago or, you know, prior times when I'd coached you, like, I'm like, that was not a workout you could have done. I don't know. And I know you were psyched. I mean, you were, you were like ready to roll every workout.
0: Yeah. We've been working together on and off for three, four, five years. And all of the things that we were nailing in this block were elements of training that I was struggling to execute on in 2018 and 2019. Like, for example, showing up for a workout, even completing a workout in some eras was like a win or going out on a long run and fueling effectively and not having to cut it short because stomach went South. And, you know, yep. I just made wrong decisions mid or I went out too fast in a long run and bonked. I feel like all of the times we were supposed to, you know, work hard and go fast. We did that and more. And then the days where we were supposed to be strategic about just running long, slow effort, yep. four or five hours time on feet, we were doing that too. And so everything was clean. And we just talked about this quote unquote, perfect environment. It sure felt like that. <laughs> was, like you know, Just it, this. Yeah.
1: It was like really, you know, the first seven weeks were like, I just was scrolling back through the whole thing before our call. And I was like, oh yeah. Let me just like everything just was like lining up and all of that's really good still, even though you we've had this setback, which we'll get into, um, like you don't just like lose that stuff. Like, yeah, it's like you, it might change the way we, think about might change how canyons goes or whatever. I mean it might change things, but that all that stuff that you did in this like uh in this training block will for sure still apply and you know help you towards your Canyon's hundred K race. And you can't really take that training away. Like it, it, you know, even though that we've had a setback and had to take some time off. Like your that's those skills, those abilities, like those experiences are now part of your you know, they're part of you, I guess. And you get to keep them basically forever. They're easy to tap into now. It's like a much easier. Uh, and I wanted even that one workout. I'll tell you the workout that was most, I don't know. I was psyched on your hill climb. We did like a hill climb. It was hard wreck, hard run time trial. Uh, and it's a road, right? Is it a paved road or a dirt road? I can't remember.
0: It's a paved road, although there was a little it's, snow. It, it, it's, it's the Mill Creek Canyon road. So the further you get up, the less sunlight is hitting the road. And there is some ice and whatnot. But yeah, that was a good one. I mean, I PR'd on it. Uh, Local buddy here, Jimmy Elam. I came within one or two uh, seconds of his segment and he actually commented on the run. He's like, dude, you're in (laughs) in 920 shape for Canyons. (laughs) That's
1: that's the old, uh, speaking of my co-coach, Brett Horn, we like to do the ipso facto. Like if you do this, then it means X. Like, you know, A (laughs) equals B, right? Uh, whatever. Uh, so yeah, totally. <laughs> it uh, that's uh,
0: if you want to uh, figure out what you're going to do at canyons, go run the Mill Creek Canyon Road. That will tell you all you need to know. You can just that's turn right. Training from there,
1: just don't even do the race. Uh, just take that nine twenty at canyons and just put it in the bank. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it was. I think we should celebrate those things just in general because like it's been it was really great. Like you were just crushing it, and then we had. I think maybe you should tell the story of your uh, injury. Cause you know, a lot of people have running injuries, right. Where it's like, okay, we did too much or yeah. One of those really hard workouts, we paid a price for it, right. You got some sort of tendonitis, or you got some sort of overuse problem. And in your case, uh, the injury is a lot different and in some ways. It's a good thing. And in some ways it still sucks.
0: <laughs> well, well, the first thing I'll say is just from that, those seven weeks of work that we did, it's totally a benefit in the long run because it just, because of the work we did, you know, the workouts we logged, the long runs we completed, I now have a much larger reservoir of self-belief to pull from so that when the time comes for me to be healthy again, I know what I'm capable of doing. I know that even regardless of times, I just had that consistent stretch of putting in hard work and that will come back like that fitness may, I may lose some fitness, but the, the mental space doesn't fade away. Like yeah. that's, that's something that's you true. can pull back from, but yeah, in terms of the injury, Pretty funny because I've been getting made fun of for months and years for being a relatively conservative person outside of running. Like, I will turn down backcountry ski missions and even like trips to the bar on Friday or Saturday night because I'm nervous that at a bar, for example, I'll have one too many drinks and I'll be in rough shape for a run the next day. Or if I'm on a backcountry ski expedition, I'll take some fall and again be out of commission like I am now. But, anyways, with the injury, it was my third time all season skiing in resort. I went out with my uncle up at Snow Basin in Ogden, Utah, very last run of the day. We decided to take a run into the side country. This, there was a very narrow gate. I'm going in through it at a kind of fast speed, just like careless, just thinking I got this and hit like a small patch of ice. My left ski bowed out. I clipped the gate, fell, ejected. I still had my poles in my hand. And they planted in front of me and I'm going at a pretty fast speed at this point. And I landed on top of the handle of one of the poles and it just dug right into my left pectoral lat rib area. And then I bounced off a rock after that too. And I'm on like a 50 degree slope. So I'm also like dragging down this steep slope with like one ski on still. And I'm like, is this how I like go out? But anyways, it knocked the wind out of me. Like I tried to get up and I like fell down again because it, for like five seconds. I just couldn't breathe. Finally got up uncles waiting for me, like further down the slope, like you. Okay. I'm okay. Go up and grab my ski and like, think I'm okay. Think it's just like, I got the wind knocked out of me, but you know, as adrenaline subsides and you can evaluate everything I realized, geez, I think I broke my ribs. And and anyways, that ended up being the last run of the day. Go get an x-ray the next day. Thankfully it's negative. The people on call that day were like, I'm like, what do I do? You know, how do you recover from rib from a rib injury? They're like, well, just go home and sit and honestly just hurry up and wait, stay horizontal. Don't do any exercise. Just sit. I let you know, I think I tried to do a couple uphill ski days, like two, three, three days after, and that only aggravated it. So I sat back down two weeks go by because we're recording this about, yeah, 13 days after the injury. Yep. Um,
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. What is today? March
0: 4th. So yeah, 13. My partner was like, just go see a PT, see what they can do to you. I finally went and saw a PT last night because for two weeks, nothing has gotten better. And they diagnosed it as a borderline grade two, grade three muscle contusion. And there could be a fractured rib there or at least a bruised rib, but that's not really going to get picked up the type of x-ray that I did. And so- Uh that's just there as a possibility. But anyways, they did a bunch of like manipulation work on it and I feel like 25% better. And I hadn't had any progress whatsoever for two weeks in terms of outlook. They told me I'll, I'll return to running like two weeks at best from now and maybe even a month, but I'm taking it on a day by day basis because I feel much better than yesterday. And I kind of know the playbook, but like they also had me run on a treadmill at four mile per hour pace, flat treadmill to see how that felt. There was pain. But again, like it's all getting better. So I don't know what to think. And maybe we can have a larger conversation about like evaluation framework for resuming training when you have these kind of blips on the radar. But anyways, that's a long-winded way of saying I hurt my ribs. <laughs> it's so bizarre because it's such a small area of my body, but even just trying to do a running gait and to start running, it just feels like you're just getting punched there constantly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think anyone who's had a rib injury. I have had at least one type of injury that was similar to this. And yeah, if you can't breathe, you know, you can't, you know, like the pain is like, you know, if you're trying to run it's six, seven, eight, nine out of 10 pain scale, like it's not going to be effective, right. You can't do it. I know. And when you first got hurt, I was like, well, like, cause I am, I mean, and some of the questions that we got from listeners, you know, talking about, you know, you know, other training modalities, like, are they effective? Are they useful? Like i am a pretty strong believer in certain things like schema, which is funny because you got hurt skiing, right? It's like, well, you shouldn't go skiing again, but uh, you know, the schema thing, the uphill is where the action is for the training purposes. And you can just essentially stand there and cruise down on a groomed run where you're not going to crash. You know, you're not, you're not anyway. So like the risk would be low if you could do it. So I know, I mean, it was my suggestion, I think, or you, one of us said we should try it. And I'm like, yeah, we should totally try it. Cause like, you know, you probably weren't going to hurt it worse by trying, you know, we're going to, we're going to see. And like from a, from an aerobic fitness standpoint, you, if you could ski, you know, you wouldn't really miss a beat on that front Uh, or even like things like biking, which take more time unless you're riding uphill. Most of the time, I think uphill you can produce more of an aerobic benefit quicker from the trail runner perspective especially but like it's cold as hell like you can't go outdoor riding probably very easily there yeah and you again you you know you indicated that like yeah these things are a no-go anyways so it was like yeah there's really you know it was pretty straightforward you know like there's really nothing you're going to be able to do other than and it, you know it's what we should have done I don't know why I didn't think of this you know I mean, getting into PTs is an interesting thing because a lot of times it's like, oh, you need a referral or it doesn't yeah. cover. I don't know. It's a convoluted sort of system. You yeah. don't want everybody, or you know, you can't always find a way just to go in and get into one quickly. But it's almost always the right call when people get hurt, whatever it might be. Um, if they have the money to do it, or if they have the insurance to do it, or whatever. That should be probably like the first order of business. Find someone who works with athletes because they're, you know, in any big city or even medium-sized city, there's almost always PTs that are very athletically oriented. Like they're, they're, Mm -hmm. they're working with athletes. That's what they wanted. And, you know, so they're not going to tell you dumb stuff like, oh, you hurt your rib. Don't just go sit down at home. They're going to try to get you back and they're not going
0: to. Yeah, they're contextual.
1: Yeah. And they know what your goals are and they're going to say, well, here's your risk. You know, here's what your risk versus rewards are. Right. Of like, like with this right now, it's like, are you going to re-injure this rib if we try to run too early? I mean, I think that's the question that I don't know the answer to. And maybe they gave you an indication like, Hey, you probably shouldn't test it too hard.
0: First of all, they were pretty vague. They were like, you know, it's really going to be based on like your pain levels. Like when you feel like the activity results in either a four out of 10 or under pain, that's when you can resume. But Uh the big concern on their end was do compensation injuries form where, because you are, for example, like tucking in your left arm and your shoulder blade is like overworked or other parts of the running chain get affected because you're trying to like compensate for that area. Other injuries that weren't initially involved get brought into the equation.
1: And then those are over, you know, those can become these overuse injuries that develop pretty quickly. And those can be harder to (laughs) you know, deal sometimes those are harder to get rid of Yeah, you know, different inflammatory things, like a, one little pissed off tendon in your ankle or your, you know, your peroneal, t- I don't know, there's a million things that can go wrong. So I mean, they're, they're probably right in that. If you're like wincing on every step and like guarding on every step, because impact is like painful, like it's not going to, we're probably not going to start running at that point, which is where you're still at. I take it.
0: Like I said, I feel so much better today than I did yesterday. And maybe the next place we can take this is just, obviously I had these, yeah, you know, I know we talked about training goals and performance goals and outcome goals, like on a previous episode, I'm a little bit depressed right now because from an outcome standpoint, I had this goal of, you know, maybe racing my way into the top 10 or just to date having my most competitive race. And I know that I'm at the point in my ultra running career where really, regardless of fitness, I could enter into a race and at least finish it. Like it wouldn't always be pretty, but like I could walk an ultra. So like finishing isn't really the thing that interests me here. It's putting my best competitive foot forward and really putting hopefully the best fitness I've ever had forward. And that's what I like to do in these quote unquote marquee American races. So I'm curious if you've ever dealt with this with other athletes in your stable who have had pretty big performance goals and outcome goals, and they hit these snags in their training, what strategies do you work them through to, uh, hopefully hold on to it if they can, or maybe even reevaluate and go somewhere else.
1: So I think at this point that you should, I wouldn't take canyons off the table as something that you could have your best ultra at like, yeah. would it have been as good? Had you not done this? I'm not going to answer that. Like, I'm not going to say, you know, like, I'm like, if we can, I hate looking backwards in time. It's like, well, if you didn't get this injury, then what would have happened? You know what I mean? Right but I still think sitting here today where we're, you know, talking on March 4th. Yeah. I still think that you and Mellinson, can have your best performance at Canyons. If you do indeed recover in the, you know, the shorter end of the, t- if it's a month and we do no running or any aerobic work whatsoever, then I would change that statement. Yeah. But I also would say that you don't lose this fitness that you've built up as quickly as you think in your head, like in your head, mm-hmm. you're okay, it's all over. I just lost all this fitness. It's been, yeah. two weeks, and you know, I'm a sack of shit. <laughs> <And> I can't <laughs> run anymore. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't throw my wife under the bus, but she's got a similar boat for different reasons, but like she was training, things were going pretty good. She had some really good workouts, hit a couple different snags. And it's been like three or four weeks of like not no running, but like really no workouts, way less running, you know, for a bunch yeah. of reasons. And you know, she had a race in mind and now she's like, I am down. She's like, wants to throw it out the window. I'm like, well, so I, th- I keep trying to tell her, I'm like, you know, slow your roll. Like you're not just, you didn't just turn it. You didn't just instantly get bad at running. Like yeah, it will come back way faster than you think if like, so for you, for you, if you really do get, I mean, we were just looking at the numbers. I think we were texting last night and if you can start running without pain, you know, with very low to no pain, you know, in that lower time frame, you know, a week and a half, two weeks, if you're back into it, your fitness is going to, if you're going to pop right back into it, you know, it might not be day one, but by two weeks in, you're not going to even hardly remember that you had this injury. Like, and yeah, like, would it have been different if you didn't hurt these ribs? Sure. But it's not relevant. Yep. You know, it's just completely irrelevant because it's, you know, behind us, we don't have a time machine.
0: <laughs> one thing I'm, I was thinking about is like, given that I've had to take two weeks, it, let's just say Best case scenario, I was just out for two weeks. Medium case scenario, it's like, I'm out for worst case, which is what they're saying is it will have been six weeks. Which
1: they always Um, give you bad worst case when you I know,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Could we do some experimental things in this training block where like maybe the taper for the race is shorter because it gives me more time to get in a couple additional quality workouts and long runs. For example, like a one week taper instead of like, i have done like three in the past.
1: I'm kind of, I am not against small tapers for especially well, you know, well-trained kind of higher level athletes. I think that short tapers can be totally fine. And sometimes they're better. (laughs) I I think I'm open for that kind of experimentation. I think the kind of experimentation I'm not necessarily uh, a proponent of for you or really, but like, okay, you got this injury. And then you're going to think, okay, now I need to cram all of these components that I wanted to do, or that we may have done into this shorter time frame, when ultimately we probably shouldn't, we should probably should be intelligent when we first get you back into running, as opposed to like, Hey, let's hammer out, you know, a 12 hour training week on the first week back. Like that's a pretty high degree of, uh, or a high chance of problems cropping up. If you go from, you know, not running for two, three, four weeks to running a 12 hour week. So like, we have to be, you have to have faith that like you, if you the cramming is a lack of faith. I see it as like, of lack of faith in yourself and just the fact that your body will respond to training stimulus. Uh, cause it will, but it, it I, I would worry that it's like, okay, we've got to do, we have the shorter time frame Now we're going to try to get everything fit in there and we just have to deal with what we, you know, we play the hand that we're dealt,
0: uh, in, in those initial build back weeks. Like for example, my first week back from any running whatsoever <laughs> in, in that scenario, could I tack on an activity like schema? Yeah. For example, to, to I, maybe even get to twelve hours or ten hours, yeah, but if it's it's like four hours running, but six hours skiing.
1: i I am a believer in that. I mean, partially because I do uh, I have a pretty good understanding of like what you know the, And when we say schema, a lot of listeners, I'm sure don't really even know what we're talking about. Maybe I'm am I,
0: I, definition yeah, let's do it. Am,
1: am I wrong about this? I mean, I don't know exactly who all of your listeners are, but i've had I've answered this question maybe a hundred times this winter. <laughs> and, and maybe in winter's past, because anyways, I started a new race. That's a schema race this year. So I like have gotten really a lot more involved yeah. in that. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, so it's schema. It's just short for ski mountaineering. And I think it's really got European origins when this, the actual term schema, because really it's one aspect of a whole bunch of different types of human powered skiing. Uh, when I say human, pa- I don't mean cross-country skiing. People think, Oh, is it just cross-country skiing? And that would be more of a type of skiing done with a different type of equipment on relatively flat ground, you know, not just, not flat, but, you know, rolling hills, those skis don't have any edges and they don't really go down, you know, legitimate big mountains with cross country skis. So with Schemo, it's a type of ski that allows you to climb uphill with your skis on your feet, right? So you're, they call it skinning. Yep. So your, your heel comes free and. You're walking with the skis on people. Yeah, you're walking with the skis on your feet, basically. And there's a special things on the bottom called skins. You, you stick them on, there's glue on them. So it mm-hmm. lets you slide forward. And then you don't really slide back on relatively steep slopes. Like you can just go up, you know, if everyone's, if anyone's been to a ski hill, you just skin up the groomed runs. So that would be like a standard, you know, front country skimo outing at Park City Mountain Resort. This is where a lot of you guys do it there's a, there's one groomed run. They let you go up like at certain hours and people climb up. It's like 1200 feet. And then you ski back down and it's a very simple and smooth way to, to get in. I think really effective training Uh,
0: is the the training benefit there similar to hiking.
1: I, yeah, that was one of the questions. And I'm going to, I'm going to say a hard, no, I mean, at least a hard no in what I think people think of as hiking. So, I mean, When people say hiking, I think of low-end effort or you know, low intensity, right? Like we're out on a hike, we're taking we're on a walk. And with schema, you have what did I write? I wrote down what I would I would describe it as you can perform a full range of intensity Mm. in schema. You know, if you have the skill sets, like the technical skill sets, just you know how to skin and like you, you know, it's not your first time doing it, but if you have you know, you're used to the equipment and you're proficient at skinning, which isn't particularly hard to get proficient at, then you can perform a, low, a casual walk all the way up to the highest intensity intervals of your life and everything in between. So it's really a choice of like, what is it similar to? From an from a aerobic development standpoint, it's whatever we want it to be. Uh, so like you can perform, you know, intensities that to your normal, easy run pace quite easily. If you just look at it from like, and the heart rate's not the end all be all, but if you did look at heart rate, you could easily say, oh you yeah, know, like I spent an hour climbing at a heart rate of 145, which would have been what I did on an easy run. Or if, if you have this, the leg strength endurance, which not everybody has like to do higher intensity stuff. Cause there's just more weight on your feet and the grade is steeper. So not everybody has like that kind of strength built up to be able to actually push higher aerobic intensities because their legs just crap out like quickly. Yeah like this happens to me in the early part of the winter. Like I can't really do the same level of intensity on workouts as I can, like another month after like getting back into skinning and like spending time on those steeper grades, uh, with weight, you know, the weight, the the weight can vary a ton people. Some people's skis might weigh eight, nine, 10 pounds on one foot with the boot ski binding. And people who have really lightweight gear, it can weigh as little as like two and a half pounds on one foot. So it, it's quite a lot more like running, uh, if you have like the super light gear, I mean, it's still hiking like, you know, it's, what would you do in a mountain running race going at a 1500 foot gradient or a 1200 foot gradient, You're power hiking. So it's like a mountain running. race.
0: Glad that we're getting into this. I actually have one more question here. And I think this was another listener question. We got a lot of these by the way, because when I promoted this episode today on Instagram, I actually used a photo of you, I think at that Mount Ashland race or one of these other Schemo yeah. races this winter. Yeah. And so we're doing a coaching call, but I think a lot of people had Schemo questions as a result. But one of the questions was, and I think you've addressed this already, but how do other very vari- training variables like vert and time on feet in Schemo relate back to running? Like when you're prescribing like Schemo activities in a training block, like we yeah. might do, is it, is like an is like a 45 minute schema session equate to a 45 minute running session or how do you think about that for example I mean,
1: it is a good question i mean i think obviously in the downhill and ski you know if on the downhill and transitions if those comprise a good amount of the time then you know those are those are even less of an aerobic output than down, downhill running so it, but like, if you're proficient at those things, it's not that much of the time. So let's just say, you know, an hour, an hour schema might be the same as a 45 minute run or something in terms of like the time spent at those aerobic and the, the intensities where you're producing some sort of benefit, obviously you are going to do more vertical and less miles. Typically, if you're yeah. just, if you're doing it the way most people do it, you're climbing gradients of like, you know, six or 800, like pretty flat. And then steeper stuff's like 1,200, 1,400 feet a mile sort of grade. So if you're just skiing up and down stuff like that, you're going to do like when I go for a normal sort of like to my two hour morning workout, it's like 6,000 feet of climbing and 10 miles or something. That's like basically what I do every, you know, most days, if I go out and just do a standard thing,
0: how much time on feet.
1: Uh like for me, I, I mean, that would be like two. I mean, that's with like race gear and I'm like pretty well trained. So it's yeah. like two, two hours.
0: Okay. That's excellent. Uh,
1: so. So I think there's some of the plus sides of using scheme. And so like in your case, we're talking about being injured and using it during an injury, which is a lot different than say someone who's wondering, Hey, can I supplement my running? Like I'm training for running races. Yeah. I'm not training for schema, right? The questions I think that you're mostly getting are, Hey, can I use schema in addition to
0: running? Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes.
1: And I think that, you know, there, you, you don't get everything out of it. Like there's mechanical demands that come from running that you obviously don't mimic at all. Like running on flat ground or downhill. Uh, there's, those are things that the body needs to adapt to, right? Like your muscles build resiliency and your tendons get stronger. Your body can go out and run for four or five hours and you don't finish feeling like you're broken, right? Like this is, you know, this is the point you get to and you get to, but if you only skied, and then you go try to run, you know, five hours, aerobically you could be in damn good shape, but I think that you'd break down physically mechanically you'd break down. So like you wouldn't want to just, I mean, but I don't know. Then there's people like, I mean, I don't know. You get the Killian example all the time and I'm sure he's done very little running for entire winters and then jumped into, you know, various types of running races pretty quickly and he does just fine, but he is now a liar. So he's a terrible example, but yeah, I mean, the fitness you can build on skis, the aerobic part is whatever. It's great. And you can train more hours probably because there's very little downside, like overuse sort of risk on skis. It's way less like other than just getting hurt because you crashed or something like, I mean, athletes, some of them, I think they can do too much, but some of them will be, you know, 25, 30 hours a week. I think that a good schema athlete who's like full-time and I would guess that 20 hours would be about right for a super high end, someone training just for schema. Like they could probably consistently handle 20 hours of like work and do it all right with it. Cause you're just probably not going to get that. Your, your injury chances are way lower. So like people can supplement with schema if they have the time, right. And their energy bandwidth is there. I think it's a great idea to experiment with and, but just realize it ain't high. It's not like, oh, I just went for a little hike. I mean, it can be, but it's not what most people do. Mostly the intensities people are performing are, are maybe higher than when they're running because they're just not as like uh, used to it. If they don't do it like a lot.
0: Well okay. One small tangent, maybe one big tangent, but the first one is maybe you just mentioned like this 20 hour threshold possibility on skis for athletes in our sport. Maybe yeah. this is like the closest thing we have to what guys in the cycling world, like the tour de France athletes have, where you can just be on a bike for 30 yeah. or 40 hours a week, if time allows, like, this is the closest thing to endless activity. Cause we know that running is too punishing really to go beyond I mean, yeah. will do 24 hours a week. Like, you know, I just had Anton on the podcast. He apparently he did the 260 mile a week in 2008, but, um, Sure he did, it, but
1: it didn't work out <laughs> for him that well, did it, no, it in the long run? he's had problems. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think schema is way more like cycling and there's really great cyclists that become really great schema. You know, people who have really good, you know, strength to weight ratio and can produce, you know, relatively high amounts of power and they're fairly lightweight, you know, it's, 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 there's so many similarities. I think there's tons of crossover between, you know, trail runners, cyclists, skimo people, I mean, you know, and a lot of people are going to do all of it to some extent. No, I mean, I think it's a great area for people to get, you know, more, if you live near enough to skiing, uh, you know, to do it regularly. Right. That's a lot of people, you know, probably 80%, 90% of America doesn't live within an hour of a ski resort. I don't oh. know. I made that stat up, but that's what
0: I'm going <laughs> to look that up. That's actually really interesting. But the other thing I wanted to ask you about, I know that we're getting a little bit off track, but this is absolutely fascinating to me. I think since the last time we talked, Jim Walmsley made the announcement yep. that he's moving from Flagstaff over to Europe yep. to live there year round. And the reason I bring that up is because it seems like for Jim, but also a lot of other top athletes in our sport, they're getting what I call the European memo that you should segment your years in terms of activities and like in the winter time, that's when you ski. And I'm curious what you think about that trend. If you think it makes sense, if that's like going to be a formula for a lot of people that go pro in our sport, moving forward.
1: Obviously in America, it hasn't taken that turn as much, but I, not that I have my finger on the pulse better than anybody else, but I don't know. I pay attention to various different things and different people. And I would say we are seeing that happen right now in a certain proportion of, you know, elite, sub elite, ultra runners, trail runners, I'm biased. So what I say right now is just a totally biased statement of what I think, but I I think that like full-time ultra run. So I, I mean, me personally, I guess I've been trail running or ultra running for 10 years now, basically full. and, And when I was younger, I did a lot of ultras. I don't know what my actual number is. I usually say I've done 50. It's probably somewhere around there uh, ultras. And most of them were hard. Like I didn't do them. Like you are saying, I didn't just go to finish really any of them. Like I tried to run all of them. as like hard as I could (laughs) to one degree or another. And it wore me down pretty badly. Honestly. I mean, I'm not saying I had some crazy, Oh, I got, you know, these crazy adrenal problems. I didn't get diagnosed with nothing, but I know for sure. I got worse. I don't know. I got worse. And like physically, I just couldn't do as much. Like I was just, I lost 10% of what I had had, you know, when I was a bit younger. So, like I moved close enough where I ski, you know, it's 15 minutes for me to go skiing now. Uh so it was pretty easy for me to say, you know what, my winters are gonna be, I don't run zero because I don't know, I just I still like running. Yeah. Uh, but I ski more than I run and I race a little bit on the ski, you know, schema races and stuff. And so I'm able to put a lot of energy mentally and physically into that. And I'm pretty confident that it's the way to go for me. And I think anyone who, if you try try to race ultras year round, which I certainly did. And I think most Americans end up, you just get FOMO, you know, you're not going to just like, you're going to race a lot. And yes. a lot of times, especially young folks race, you know, too much because they can, and they get travel budgets. Sometimes you know, if they're sponsored, sometimes the opportunities start rolling. And I I think it's the kind of way that if you want to keep doing it for a long time and you're an addict to endurance sport, you know, you're not just going to sit on the couch for three months, I don't think you need to. I think it's a really good way to like, I don't know, get that fixed, do something that's totally different. I mean, you can't just train hard, 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 hard 12 months every year. Like I don't care if it's schema or running, you're going to have to take easier periods of time, but I think running a lot less for three or four months is a really good idea for probably most people, especially if they're like racing at a really high intensity at a high level, basically trying to kill themselves every time they go out
0: there's something to be said. Cause I think one thing that's missing in our sport, I know that there are sneaker heads out there and we have running vests and stuff like that. But one thing I've always been jealous of in the biking communities, you have that, that really large physical object that you're using to do <laughs> endurance and skiing yeah. satisfies that like having these sticks and, oh, and it's poles it's, it's in taking care of them. And it's what I've missed not being a cyclist. It, it's kind of yep. cool. Yep.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, the gear, and that is one thing people will say with schema. They're like, oh, it's really expensive. And it is, I'm not saying it's cheap. Like it's definitely not cheap, but it's a lot cheaper than biking. (laughs) Like if you're going to compare schema to biking, you you know, especially just getting into it. Like if you go by, there's like a Facebook group where there's always used stuff. That's usually pretty good. Like you can get a used set of like mid-weight ski touring gear for like a thousand bucks pretty much any day you want so i mean compared to biking it's pretty cheap to get into skiing to back you know to uphill skiing backcountry skiing schema whatever you want to call it
0: any other thoughts on schema before we pivot
1: sorry i know i know this was a i know it's a big tangent but i mean it's fun i mean it's a little bit funny because this is how you got hurt you didn't get hurt doing schema you got hurt skiing downhill but right you know same difference so there's a little bit of a risk factor it's like if someone's super cautious. Like, I don't want to get hurt no matter what, like, and I'm not that good at skiing. You know, I didn't ski when I was growing up or whatever. Like there's obviously some more like, you know, injury risk to skiing. And a lot of times you have to do it in the dark. Like if you're trying to ski at a ski resort, you know, a lot of times they only let you do it when they're closed. So it's like it's early morning or it's at night or whatever. So it's, you know, I don't know. There's, it's not like it's super easy to get into it, but if someone's like excited about it, I'm, I'm a big believer that it can it can probably help people take things to another level with their running to some extent if you do it in the right way and experiment a little bit and figure out, hey, like maybe I can add three or four hours of uh additional quality aerobic work, you know, not qualities and like necessarily hard workouts, but like, you know, easy effort, but you know, productive aerobic yeah. work in a week and and not have problems, you know, like not get tired out, you know, still be able to perform on runs and workouts and see positive, uh, growth, you know, in general, we see positive trends, not getting tired out because they're doing, you know, more hours than they used to. I think a lot of people probably could do that. Uh, but a lot of people are just so time limited that it would just be a fun thing to switch, you know, as opposed to adding more, volume, you could do less running and more, you know, and add skiing in there in the winter, because it's a fun and helps you, you know, not just get ground into the earth by running, you know, 365 days a year.
0: One last thing I'll say on the Schemo front. I do want to clarify that I got hurt resort skiing and making a relatively dumb decision, skiing in dangerous terrain. Whereas with the Schemo options we have here in, in Utah, Salt Lake Park City, like I go to Park City Mountain Resort, like you mentioned earlier, and the hill we do it on is this like very safe green blue run that's groomed and there's not that many people on it when I'm there. And so the schemo environment, in my opinion, unless you're in the backcountry, is far safer than resort.
1: Right. It's and this is a super nuanced discussion. Like we can't oh, for, sure. for sure. into it. But yeah, like if you're just wanting from a training perspective and you're skiing at a ski resort, it can be really uh simple and not very dangerous if you have competency skiing downhill like at an intermediate level but if you're trying to get into like the real deal stuff yeah then the danger level goes as high as you want and beyond (laughs) if you want yeah so like there's skiing the backcountry skiing that's a whole nother world than like uphill skiing at a ski resort they are very those are completely different realms uh and that Latter one, the backcountry one where you're skiing, not at a ski resort, but like in uncontrolled environments, that's where there's a huge education component. There's other gear required avalanche safety equipment. Uh, and it's like a lifetime pursuit of learning and people die all the time doing it. So those are very different worlds and they're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> like you can do one without the other, or you can do both.
0: I have a funny story to tell you. Because when you're injured for as long as I have been, your mind starts to go to crazy places. And maybe three days into this injury, I thought about this conversation that I had with a guy named Jeff Colt, who was on the podcast about two weeks ago. He got a golden ticket to Western States there. And what was interesting about his scenario is if you look at his Strava, he did remarkably little training. And what he says he does is his key is he stands for 12 to 14 hours a day. Like that's, that's like the framework for all of his training. Like he doesn't sit. He, he considers that to be training. And then he sprinkles an assortment of schemo hiking, running and biking. And that pieces wait, wait, wait. together like 10 I to 12 hours.
1: This, is this the same dude? Cause if this is the dude I was thinking of Jeff, I'm look him up.
0: Cause yeah, yeah, do it, do it, do it.
1: Well, me and Brett were talking about one of the black Canyon dudes that got a golden ticket. Brett
0: raced him at Bandera. Jeff Carbondale Carbondale, yeah. Carbondale dude, Colorado. Yeah. This dude's from Carbondale. Let me, but, but anyways, me uh, just to complete the story, what's funny. And while you're looking that up, what's funny about him is he sold me on this standing concept because if you remember I used to work at the Russell lodge up at Alta and yeah, right. I got into shape really fast up there because I was taking like 50,000 steps a day. Like in addition to the training, I was waiting tables yep. and just a lot of standing. So anyways, I am currently sitting, but I'm going to be replacing this desk with a standing desk. So number one, I'll be go. standing a lot more, and then I got one of those like surfer standing boards you can stand on all day, right? Like uh-huh. you have to kind of maintain. Uh-huh. I guess it's called a balance board. And so, I don't know. That's I just figured that's one thing that will not aggregate ag ugh, aggravate my ribs, and yeah. maybe there's a little bit of fitness bump I can get from that too. That might be, you know, there might be nothing to that, but the placebo effect is real too.
1: And I mean, if you if you're not noticing any negative externalities from like that change, then it's probably not going to hurt you, but you know, it's something to pay attention to Any change you make, that's significant, whether it's going from sitting, to standing all day or whatever it is, like you pay attention to those changes and think kind huh, of like, is that what's making things go better or worse? I don't, you know, you're not going to know. These are all just like anecdotal, you know, the what they say, N of one, right. Like we're experimenting on ourselves. We don't really ever know. Like, is that what made this guy good? Or, I mean, no. I, you know, who knows?
0: What he sold me on was just like living this whole life of endurance where everything you do, like just from like start to finish in a day revolves around some sort of even like low grade level of endurance, which I thought was interesting because I turn it on for one or two hours a day, sometimes up to five hours if it's a long run. But a lot of times I'm stationary for most of the day.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, as long as you're getting enough rest in the interim, whether that's, you know, in the middle of the day or sleeping, you know, you'll see Like, you'll see if you're running worse or better, it'll be pretty obvious. Like, you're like, oh, man, like, I'm not able to perform at, you know, this level, whatever. You'll be, you'll know from like the running. Well, it's funny because that Black Canyon results, I thought this was the, the dude that won also doesn't run very much.
0: Uh, like, true heart. Yeah.
1: Well, that's what Brett, Brett and I were like. I don't know, kind of geeking out on looking at what that guy does. Cause I'd never heard of his name before. And uh, you know, he was running, he didn't run that much, Gee. which was two of the three, two of the three golden ticket people were pretty low mileage, but pretty The other dude was high. That the guy that won is pretty high hours, really high hours, like 20 plus hours a week uh, of something, of doing a various aerobic work.
0: I'm trying to find this quote for you because it was so good.
1: You've got a lot of uh, a lot of material to try to like work through from like as many podcasts as you've done now.
0: I know. Uh, there was just this quote that I found. It was this guy who said, "Like, there's not really a, such a thing as overtraining. It all comes down to under recovery. Like, you could even theoretically be overtrained on thirty or forty miles a week if what oh, yeah. you're doing in between runs is not good." <laughs> I was just- trying to find the exact quote because I might have butchered that. But anyways.
1: Well, I mean, there's no doubt that it's true. And I mean, I'm sure there is a level that basically no one can train that for, you know, with positive results in the long run. Like, I don't know how many hours a week that, but from a running perspective uh, anyways, yeah, I guess we're digressing here a little bit, but you know, getting back to you and you know, our next steps, like I know these are some of the questions, like how is the training plan going to change? Like I've just left
0: yes. what was yes.
1: there. Cause I don't really see a purpose in changing anything of course. Else, because, like Obviously, you're not going to do like what's not going to happen is we're not just gonna, this is probably people are you just going to jump back in where Ryan had written these like, no, we're not just going to jump like if you can start running you know whatever it is like if you're like, we're just going to communicate regularly and I'll check in with you every day or two and you'll check in and you're like, hey, I think I can start running soon. yes And then, you know, we'll probably take it pretty day by day initially and try to not screw it up. like we don't, we're not going to take big, you know, we might get back into where we can do some pretty consequential runs and hopefully we can, uh, but it won't be like the kind of thing where I just like say, all right, you're back and running. All right. Let's write the last five weeks of training and pump it up. Like hopefully we can get really some really good stuff in there, but like, it's not just going to happen. Like, okay, we're ready to go. And here's instantly back into where you would have been doing.
0: I know when I was looking at the training calendar, uh-huh. A week or two ago, there were some really burly workouts in there that I was excited yeah. about at the time. Oh, I know,
1: I know, I was excited too. Like
0: that eight by one mile, I was really looking with like 30 second recovery. I might be butchering that too, but I was it's excited like about that one. It
1: was, I'm sure it was a minute, 30 maybe a
0: minute. Yeah, I
1: don't think we're at that level. I'm not, I don't know how many people at that level.
0: Uh, and I was also looking at five and six hour long runs, and I'm curious, yeah. maybe we can just make some assumptions here just to like game sure. some things out, but let's just say, for example, that. I can start running a week from now. And in the lead up to that week, maybe I even got two or three days of uphill work, ski mowing at Uh Park City Mountain Resort. In the time that we have left, are there Uh any like hero type long runs you could see me doing? Could I get like a five or six hour long run in before canyons? What kind of work do you see me doing, but also maybe not doing that I would be surprised by?
1: I think that we might be able to, you know, if it if you're running in a week, I think we might still try to get a five or six hour long run. And not it would be like two or three weeks after you'd started running. And then there's that that time frame's still there. Like I had you doing a six-hour long run, three weeks out from the race, mostly very and like it'll have to be really controlled. Like screwing that up and turning it into a hard effort could, you know, there's more risk, I guess, in that we won't necessarily have the same body of training coming in behind it. But if you can run in a week, it's not like you took it's not like you just laid off for months, you know, like it's not that long. Yeah. It it feels forever in your it does. Or in the work ever. That's how it is for anyone, dude. Like uh if it happens to me or you or basically anyone who really likes running and like is just hooked on that daily, you know, living that life, and you're now you're stuck sitting, you know, sitting at home all day, like not really doing anything. Like it feels like an eternity. Even though physically, like your are about you know, the adaptations that you've made. Prior to this injury, are like still very much with you, you know. Like you don't just, you don't lose them very fast, you know. It might not be like the first run back might not feel great, but it'll, you know, the, in a week you'll be like, oh, I'm starting to feel pretty good again. It might only take a week before, as long as your rib is fine, you know, your the muscle strains or the bruising or contusions. If that stuff is relative non-issue, then the fit you'll start to feel like your old self again and then hopefully we get a few weeks down the road into like the meat of what we would have been doing and it'll look i don't think we'll necessarily try to hit as many total weekly hours as we might have
0: yeah
1: i still would like to i think that having you do a six hour long run maybe five i don't know i I would still like you to do that uh if if we're healthy (laughs) enough to do it and then and everything leading up you know won't just be like, oh, we did a two hour longer and then go to six. Like we'll hopefully do something relatively, you know, intermediate, you know, three and a half or four hours. And like if you're like, I felt you know super solid. And and then yeah, well, it'll be pretty easy. Like that's what you did a good job of so far in this training block is, you know, your long runs in the longer ones, right? The ones that are, I think we had a couple of three and a half hour ones. Yeah. They didn't turn into grinders where you were like ultimately at like race pace by the end. Cause that's what a lot of people do. You know, you start out thinking, oh, this is pretty easy. But then by hour two or three, you're like, I'm holding on. You know, people are holding on. It's not like they have gears left. They're like, you know, kind of tapped. Uh, anyway, we you know, like, so we'll have to avoid that. Because, I mean, if we put you into a scenario where you get, like, too close to what would be akin to a moderate level ultra race effort three weeks out from the race, like, I just, I don't think it's, like, going to help you run your best at canyons. So if we're controlled about it and smart, I think that length of run could be pretty good still.
0: Another question I have for you, and this might be helpful to listeners who are in a similar situation is given that the workouts that we were doing, like every Wednesday and Thursday, Uh they followed a pretty logical sequence. Like there was a reason why we did certain workouts early Uh on in the block versus the ones we did midway through. What happens in these scenarios where I miss three weeks and that logic goes out the door? like where do you pick back up from a workout standpoint like when I come back and I'm presumably healthy
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, what
0: kind of workouts am I doing initially and like how do you resume that logical progression? Yeah, I, mean, to race day?
1: I think that you know we might start back with something flat where you can control it from both pace and effort standpoint, and we can get that feedback and say, okay, you know at this with you know with this like maybe not exactly the workout we'd already done, but something that's like, you know, tempo level intervals that are run, you know, I mean, I think it's really productive sort of intensity zone when you're between around half marathon sort of intensity. And, uh, you know, we'll be able to try not to run it as a race effort, but like, let's say, okay, now where are you really at right now? And then help translate. I think we want to do more hilly stuff, probably for the most part, but I'd probably start you with a flat workout so we don't turn it into something I mean, it's just harder to control anything hilly. Uh, you have to be more attuned to like, okay, this is where I'm really at. This is like what that effort level is. You know, what is that truly threshold effort level? That's like not all out race pace, you know, for 10 minutes, (laughs) you're not racing your intervals. You're like controlling them. And they're, um, ultimately the most productive and you can accumulate more volume doing it and not be completely wrecked afterwards and stuff. Uh, so, we'd probably start with something flat and then hopefully get, yeah, just get your aerobic system cranked back to where it was in terms of being able to produce like fairly high intensity intervals with somewhat short rests. And we'll hopefully do a lot of them on climbs. And uh, you know, we will be smart. We can overdo the downhill thing because that's where I think the risk is like if you lay off running for three weeks and your biomechanical systems are, you know, not as trained you know like that they're not like ready to just go out and like hammer uh really fast on downhills and you know so I think that's where we could run into problems like just getting hurt no not just because of compensation but just like coming back too fast or doing anything too extreme particularly where there's a lot of uh you know biomechanical stress on downhills or uh so we'll just have to be kind of I think we'll just have to be a little bit smart in that first week but yeah I mean you know the progression of workouts I mean, we'll just have to see where you're at, like what you're, how much, whatever we'll call it fitness that you've lost, uh, during this time and how much you have or how much you haven't lost and then see what you're capable of initially and, you know, see what, how much time we have left and what we, you know, it'll kind of rewrite the playbook a little bit. We'll start from where you're at, not from like what we would have done.
0: Coming into this conversation, I am not going to say I was down and out, but I felt like the realistic view was to reassess the event entirely and look to an event that was in early May or even early June, depending on how long this was going to take. But I think you sold me on sticking with it. I and
1: like if it doesn't work, right? Like let's say we tried, we stick with it. Like sitting here today, we stick with it. And in a month we're like, okay, for one reason or another, like it didn't come right. What's the downside? You know, yeah. what do we have to lose by continuing yeah. with this plan? Because at no point, I don't think you're down it. Like, if I thought that you couldn't perform a race that you were happy with, I would probably tell you that. And I don't believe that's true at this point. I don't, uh, you don't lose fitness as fast as you feel like you do when you're injured sitting in your house and, you know, getting depressed about it, like any of us would. <laughs> uh, so you just have to stick with the, that. We all keep harping on the process versus outcome stuff, but like you live the moment that you're in. And you look ahead you know you, you know you don't try not to look behind us too too much you know other than to like maybe figure out how not to do x y or z thing again and uh but no i mean i don't think we should throw in the towel on canyons at all
0: cool it makes for a good story too in a,
1: in a month yeah it does make for a good story and i mean it just should go to show you if it works then you can say hey like you know our bodies are pretty resilient and intuitiveness does matter. But at the same time, like there is a point where you would throw in the towel. I'm not saying you would go all the Like, oh, I didn't run for, and I had, t-. people will do this, right? People will like get injured or whatever and they'll have like, they'll run for two weeks and they are like, I'm still going to do it. But they obviously aren't really trying to, you know, perform at the same level that you're hoping to, you know. Uh so, But now at this point, we still totally have the time. It's just a matter. So you're going to get back into a PT a couple more times. I think you said this. Yeah, you're going to try to see him Again. Yeah.
0: So a couple things I'm scheduled to do the PT on Tuesday. So today's Friday, four days from now. I also have a massage therapy appointment that day as well. I'm going to do that early in the day. Um, you're going to
1: get tired from that, dude. You're going to get, they're going to work you over.
0: It'll be great. Yeah. It'll be great. And honestly, like if I'm being honest, I really think, I think even tonight or tomorrow or Friday, I could try to do a lap at PCMR with no poles so I'm not engaging my hands at all and just do an uphill lap just with my legs and see how that feels too.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, that'll, it'll get your hip flexors a little bit more probably. <laughs> but if you just go, I mean, just take it pretty easy, whatever. If you do it soon, yeah, I would just like con- consider that first one, a walk, as opposed, you know, like where it's truly really is like a walk and you're like, yeah. just seeing like, Hey, like, is this, is this am I going to have something weird that starts happening because I'm a not using poles. Cause that is different. Yeah. Uh, And it's like, then you're dragging eight pounds on each leg and you're not getting anything from your upper body to do it. So I would just do it once and see how it does for you. But it sounds, I'm, I'm feeling pretty optimistic for you, frankly, getting to see these, uh, you know, the healthcare professionals you're seeing, it's like, if you have the money to do it or you have the insurance to do it, it's like, man, it, it goes a long way. And like, this is what any, you know, remote running coach. I mean, even if I wasn't remote, even if I was right there with you, it's all like, I don't know i 'm not a pt <laughs> like I don't yeah. have i I have no real I've seen a lot of people get injured and I kind of know like okay well if this is the time frame oh you probably i know you know it's like I just anecdotally know a lot of stuff but I'm not in a position where I can like tell someone you know oh this is what you should do or not do or you know here's the risks that you're facing I might guess at that stuff but I really try to get runners to like if they're hurt truly um you know going to see a, an athletic, specializing physical therapist is usually the best bet better than a doc don't go to your like primary care doc i shouldn't say i'd like no, the primary care doctors like it's only if you i guess if you need the doggone referral or something but then it takes like for too long and it's like well i don't have a month like yeah i need to see these people like as soon as they can get me in basically
0: yeah i'm, I'm and again this is a mistake that i'll never make again and that is not looking for a second opinion after to, you yeah. know, initially talking with the radiologist like that probably lost me to like, maybe this injury is already resolved. If I had just gone to the PT three or four days after the injury, as opposed to two weeks after, because yeah. they released a lot of pain and a lot of like inflammation, like right on the spot.
1: Right. And this injury is one that's like a, you know, exercise to pain tolerance to some extent. Cause it isn't a running injury. It's a, you know, it's a blunt trauma acute injury that really doesn't have anything to do with, you know, over it's not an overuse injury. So,
0: which by the way, I, I was looking back at all of the times we've lost time and it's always been blunt trauma injuries. <laughs> but I've yeah. never, I've never actually had like a running induced overtraining injury, which is crazy to think about.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, well this, let me ask you this. Cause I don't know. It's just a question that I was <laughs> bandy about my head. Uh, now that you got this injury, would you say I should never downhill ski? Or would you say, yeah, that's worth it. Like it's a risk that I'm willing to continue to take. I mean, obviously you like skiing to some extent, I mean, it's fun. Uh, or would you say, you know what, that's a I, I, that sucked. I don't really want to take that risk anymore. Or would you just ski differently?
0: The answer for me is ski differently. I love skiing and like we talked about earlier in the call all of the benefits I get from schema, especially strengthening the deep hip rotators and the hip flexors, that whole area, which I think that sport concentrates, at least in my experience, I love that. So I would never give up schema. I'm hesitant. This is the first year I've gotten a resort pass in four years. Oh yeah, I kind of got it on a whim. It's also been just a terrible snow winter here, but the issues with resort are so different because you're at the mercy of other people around you too. And if it wasn't this, maybe I would have gotten hit by somebody or something knowing my luck, but I, I definitely think I'm probably going to retire from resort skiing, okay. but no, like, I mean, like, again, we might have the, we're going to finish this call in a couple of minutes. I'm going to be stoked. Frankly, I'd be surprised if I don't drive over to park city right now and, and try not pill lap. Right. But I think that's where I'm at, but otherwise, um, yeah, I try to minimize risk as much as possible in other areas of life. Like Try not to put myself in scenarios where I could get hurt, or I could be not feeling good for a run. Yeah, yep. maybe we can talk in a second here about like the balance of having fun in life versus just focusing on training and competition. Where those overlap, where they don't, but yep, that's where I'm about to go with this. So maybe we do.
1: <laughs> it's uh, I mean, I know for me, it's always been, I guess, on a personal side. Like even when I was in college, and you're like, I don't know, I was on a cross country and track team, and it was like you know, a serious team, uh, you know, it's year round and they had a coach that was like pretty militant and like, we technically weren't supposed to do anything, right? Like definitely don't, you're not supposed to go mountain biking, not supposed to go skiing. And like, I don't know, these are just things I could never personally give up. It's like, even when I was like in college on a team, I don't know, I still did that stuff. And like, I got hurt like twice in college when I had yeah. to like, I had to like hide the injuries and like, I ran a workout one time. It was horrific. Like, I mean, it was like a, whatever it was, it was some sort of hard workout. And I was like pretty hurt from like, I literally crap. My friend knocked me off this cliff on skis. And like, I jacked my calf like completely, but then I had to show up like the next day or later that day. I don't know. It was right after. And I was like, I just had to pretend I just fake. I got through the workout somehow. So the coach wouldn't know (laughs) anyways. um, I guess it's a long way of saying that it just depends on like, how much these different things matter to you and how much, you know, this, the pure odds of like, okay, competing at X level and like how much of these, how much of these risks, I mean, it's all just an odds game, right? Like you could do all this extracurricular stuff and get away with it most of the time or all of the time, even, or you could do like one dumb thing and gets hammered on it. And like in your case, it's like you don't do that much in the way of like whatever extracurricular stuff that might get you. I mean, trail runners are kind of in this boat where you're like actual sport you're doing comes with some inherent risk too. like just running down technical trails. Like people get hurt all the time in an acute way by doing that, where it's like maybe you shouldn't really do that much training on technical trail, like because you might get hurt. But it's like you know, anyway, so like there's all these funny things to balance. Um
0: I think that all of this is a great argument for FKTs and personal projects because I feel like that's the place where this all merges pretty seamlessly. Like, you go when you're ready. If there is an injury setback, it's like, well, there was never any predefined date, anyways. So I can, you know, adjust accordingly. There's less pressure as a result, and you're putting your own significance on it, meaning on it. I mean, there are some like ordained routes out there that everyone knows and everyone cares about, but for the most part you are stamping your own meaning onto whatever it is you're doing as opposed to this race create you know telling you how, right. to, how to feel about it <laughs> right
1: i i uh, I also think man i mean life is freaking short you know like we're all going to die someday and it's not going to be as long in the future as it feels like sometimes i mean obviously i'm speaking to a bit of broad audience people um <laughs> i just, <laughs> anyways it's and I mean, like these goals that we have, like they totally matter. And like, I think we should put a lot of eggs in these baskets of like performance and, you know, assuming these are things, you know, you want to try to perform at whatever level you're trying to perform at. But like, the truth is you're never going to arrive. You're never going to do something that made you think I've now reached the pinnacle of what I thought I could, you know, it just doesn't exist, dude. Like, so I guess there is no end. There is no, like, once I do this, then I feel like I've done it. Like, it's just a continue, you know, life is just a continual string of pursuits. And I guess if you, if you put all of your eggs in those baskets and you just don't do any of the other things you might want to do, I think that there's like, it's probably not worth it for very, for very many of us to like, not, but then there's people who should give up some, you know, then there's people on the other end of the spectrum where it's like, you know, if you just, committed yourself a little bit more to these goals you might like it better you know people who just are very uncommitted and i I don't know i you see the gamut (laughs) in terms of commitment level and like people that are willing to you know whatever it is yeah like focus on these goals as much as they should and some people focus on them so much that like they just don't live their life uh I guess we don't have to answer those questions for ourselves. So I guess what I'm getting to, it's like, yeah, you crashed on skis and that sucks. But like, I don't know. It's like, you can't take back these things and say, oh, I guess I should never have done any of these things. Like, you know, in 100, 99 times out of hundred, you don't get hurt that day. Just, you know, it's, yeah.
0: I like that philosophy there that you're never going to arrive because, and I, I can see how someone would take this the other way. But when I think of that statement, I say, "Why wait to get started?" Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. if, there, if there's if the timeline is endless, whatever you want to do, just get started.
1: Yep. Yeah, the pursuit is the point.
0: Pursuit's the point. I'm and I'm re- having a, am having a ton of fun. I, maybe we tie this back to the injury. I'm having a ton of fun, racking my brain for ways to overcome this injury to get better. Like every single time I get injured or I suffer some, you know, trauma. I I always see it as an incredible learning opportunity. And I always end up incorporating things into my routine for when I'm healthy that prevent or significantly reduce the chance of those things ever happening again.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Like it's such
0: a, it's such an event that you can't forget and you remember all the things you, you put into getting back to healthy again. It just becomes a part of it all.
1: Yeah. And you're, yeah, I mean, you're being super, proactive especially at this point i don't you know yeah. i think that you'll uh this isn't going to be how we remember this training book i guess is what i believe you know we're not at the end of this you know this little window that we've created in you know finn Melanson's 16 week lead up to canyon center K. I kind of don't think this injury is going to be what we remember about it or the thing that's like oh yeah that's really the tone or that was like the thing that happened i think we'll kind of forget about it at some point you know it won't be the thing
0: well, I think this is a pretty good place to put a pin in it. I think for listeners that have been following the training log, I sincerely apologize. It all falls on me for not updating that. But now that I think about it, I should go back in because I had been keeping a, a written journal. I'm going to go back in and retroactively fill some of those days that I missed just from the injury because I think it will be interesting for folks to get a sense of what I was thinking each day.
1: It will be. Yeah, uh, you should do that. It's, it's basically almost all the time. Like if people get injured like i'll try to even kind of still prod people but i mean i hate it sucks because usually what happens is that people like they check out from like that process and it's just a way i mean i get it i'm like yeah like they don't want to be looking at this stupid log and all the stuff they're not doing and i can't really i guess i could hide those cells you know hide the training cells or something and just make it like a pure jerk i don't know these are funny things that i kind of ponder when i'm thinking about how do i help people you know at these wow. times, yeah, the training log is, I think it's just as important when people are injured, but people don't want to open it up and, you know, dictate or type their thoughts into it when they're hurt. Cause it's like, they're, yeah, they just feel shitty about the whole process to some extent.
0: Yeah. I think I told you on the first episode that I made a commitment to full-on transparency and working yep. in public, working with the garage door open, and it can't just be in the good times. It's gotta wow. be in the ugly times too. And so I'll retroactively fill that stuff. in. I promise.
1: Yeah. And what people might not know is like, like the, it might look like Finn and I just stopped communicating or something, but I mean, that hasn't been how it's gone. Like, we no. just, uh, you know, there's like a lot of ways. I mean, with coaching, there's you know, the communication in the training log is really huge in my opinion. Cause like you can have long form and it's to not, we, he can do it when it Finn can write whenever he wants. I write whenever I want, and we can go back and forth that way. But like when things get sideways, in this instance, then it's usually a lot more like texting or, you know, communicating in other ways to like stay on the same page. I don't know. That's just usually what happens.
0: And I, again, I think I'm spoiled as an athlete and I take this for granted because I don't know if other coaches have the capacity or the interest in doing this, but yeah, you text me at all hours of the day, you're constantly checking in. And in a lot of ways that's held me accountable and it's gotten me motivated to just be more proactive about getting better fast and, you know, yeah. keeping the attention on certain goals. And so I, I really appreciate that because yeah, it's so easy to check out and like you don't want to look at the work you're not doing. But uh you've you've done a really good job of making me focus on the most important thing in the moment. So I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's you know, this won't this isn't the end of the story on this one. I can tell you that. Like I yeah, it's just when you go out to Park City tonight, I would just do whatever you do, do it real. This is like low key. Don't get excited about it don't even think oh, I'm so psyched, like just go chill and then see how, it, you know, see how it feels during. And then after as much as anything, like we just don't want to, I don't know. You just don't want to set back we're like, Oh shit. Like that, this just got worse again. Like if it's feeling bad, just rip them and turn around. Yeah. I think it's fine though to try it. I mean, if it's, you know, like I think the pain threshold is probably a pretty good indicator of like, Hey, can you do this or not?
0: So we're recording this. Friday, March 4th. Hopefully when we record our next episode in early April, we have two or three weeks of solid training underneath us again.
1: Solid. Yeah. We don't, we won't have to do anything. Our goal won't be to like hit home runs. Our goal will still be that same mantra of like mostly, you know, hitting singles, getting on base and, uh, building, building you up in a way that can get us all the way to race day, you know, hungry and ready to go. So like, uh, yeah, I think that's, I think we'll be there. I really do. And if we can use some uphill scheme to kind of help, help us get there, I'm, you know, I feel pretty good about doing that.
0: Hey, this has been awesome. I, I really appreciate the time again, and hopefully listeners got value out of this. And hopefully we just presented another reality of a training block.
1: It is, this is, it is real. We can't, can't avoid this stuff in all of our lives. So yeah, next month I'm, I hope that the listeners, you know, right now the log kind of just looks, it looks like it's just kind of sitting there, like nothing's changing, but yeah, you'll start to see it changing again here in the next week. I have a feeling as Finn gets back to, uh, once he's able to start doing some things, we'll, we'll, we'll delete a bunch of stuff and put a bunch of new stuff in there. Well,
0: Hey, until next time. Thanks again.
1: All right. See you, Finn.
0: Folks, thanks as always for listening. If you enjoyed the conversation, all I ask is that you give it a share on your social media platforms and that you leave a rating or review wherever you listen to this podcast. Until next time, this is The Single Track and I am your host, Finn Melanson.